The following Art Trap production has been made possible in part by subscribers like you. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi With Ken Deep, James Norton, and Louis Trapani Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. This is Louis Trapani, and I'm here with my good friend, Ken Deep. Hello. Welcome, Ken. And also, my good friend from across the pond, Mr. James Norton. Hello. And we're good to be back here on Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. It's been a while, and we got some ground to cover. The biggest news is Torchwood Children of Earth has been... Uh, shown both on the BBC in the UK and BBC America, as well as, um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it's going to be coming out soon, or has just come out on DVD and Blu-ray in the US and UK. So, uh, but before we go into that, and just a little warning before we do that, that this is going to be, uh, we're going to be covering everything on... Spoiler. Yeah, we're going to be covering Spoiler everything. Spoiler so if you haven't seen Children of Earth... 
you may want to hold off on listening to that Hello. part of the podcast where we review that until you have seen it. So uh, we're not going to be avoiding spoilers. So we're going to be covering anything that needs to be covered in our reviews. So just a, a bit of warning. But we do have some stuff to cover before we do before we go into that review. I know it's been some time back in spring. We had a um, actually I think the contest started before then, but. Uh, we had a uh, a contest that was offered through Mike's Comics, and with that, we gave listeners a chance. We had we did an interview with Ben Ivanovich, who um, then we asked a series of questions based on that interview, uh, and people were able to um, submit their answers, and then those uh, that had participated were then selected from Mike's Comics through Mike's Comics to um, to receive special Blake Seven audio dramas. To that end, there was one grand prize winner as well as um, several, uh, I guess, second place or what do you, second tier winners or whatever you call them. The grand prize was a Blake 7 Series 1 slipcase set, and, and everyone else then received Blake 7 the early years when Villa met Gan. And, um, Ken, have you heard that yet? Have you? Heard oh that? yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I ordered mine. That's how I met Mike from Mike's Comics. Was I could not find any place to order it from in the United States except from from Mike, and um, and he took great care of me. I had it practically the next day, and it was great. Uh, I I enjoyed it a lot actually. I listened to it a few times. Well, what we're gonna do is we're, we're just gonna quickly run off some names of the winners. And what we're going to do is we're just going to limit it to their first names since we didn't get uh, we didn't ask them if we could announce their the winners here. So just to be polite, we'll just um, just and and if you're listening to this, you know you're a winner. So <laughs> you have already received your prize. Oh, and, you're a winner. <laughs> so we want to congratulate you, know you. And and we also want to thank Mike's Comics for participating in this contest. You know, well they sponsored it. Really, it's it's all there. So, uh, but the grand prize winner goes to Sal in Columbia, um, Missouri. So we want to thank you, or we want to congratulate you, and cheers. The other winners, and I'll just just quickly just uh, run off some names here are Troy, Greg, David, Rob. And uh, Darren, so um, congratulate you all for winning, and you you obviously got the right answers, and um, hopefully I didn't miss anyone there. And once again, congratulate you, and also um, give a nods out to um, Mike's Comics, Mike'sComics.com. Check them out. They also have they they've asked us to um, point you in a direction of their live journal page. They are running a survey, and I'm just going to try to pull up that information here if I can. Yeah, well, um, while you're doing that, Lewis, I'll also make mention that um, in addition to When Villa Met Gan, which featured classic Blake 7 star Michael Keating, there are other classic Blake 7 actors that are going to be crossing over into some of the newer, when they do these early years prequels, which is great. And I know Jan Chapel is one of the people lined up for uh, Blood and Earth and Flag and Flame. And she'll be reprising the role of Callie. And there's a few others on deck for, for 2010 as well, but um, they're still sort of a ways off. So before uh, announcing that um, some of the other actors are, are definitely going to be in it. But I, I liked it. It's 
what they do with the early years is they'll take a classic series actor and mix them in with the current cast and do a flashback episode as if the classic series actor was playing mm. uh, the the current character, even though they have a the entire cast, the entire um, all the characters cast for the audio dramas. And when you listen to like the box set that you that you sent out as our grand prize winner. When you listen to those those um, retellings, the re reimaginings of of Blake Seven, they use a brand new cast. But when they do these early years and they do sort of prequels, uh, they remind me of those like webisodes and things like that that we get to see now that were common with with Doctor Who and Battlestar Galactica and and now apparently Blade Runner. So, well, the poll that I was uh, referring to before was um, something that they're focusing on. Doctor Who toys, and if you go to mikescomics.livejournal.com/slash-four-five-eight-zero-nine.html, it will bring you to their survey page. I, th- I think they're just trying to collect some information about how you collect and what you collect and what your interests are and so forth. So, um, if you have um, time and if you listen to the enhanced podcast, it's there'll be an embedded link right here, and you can check it out. And, um, you know, the, like I said, Mike's Comics was kind enough to uh, offer this contest to our listeners to uh, participate in. And, and many of you won these great Blake 7 audio dramas. So uh, do them a favor, check them out, go to that um, live journal page and fill out that uh, survey. And I, and I definitely hope you enjoy the, the new Blake 7s because this really is, you know, Blake 7 is, I don't think a lot of people are going to go to it. Because it's something new, it's it's primarily going to be for people who enjoyed the classic series and are anxious to see it re-envisioned. And until it hits our television screens again, the audios are really. This is almost a almost a model as to what they did with Doctor Who that they returned on audio first, and then mm-hmm. people started realizing there's a market for this. People are interested in this kind of science fiction. Yeah, you know what, and I, I'm a little. Um, annoyed at some of the reviewers when uh, with Children on Earth recently, you know, we're not going to get into the review right right now, but I just some of the reviews that were published in the papers and um, some of the opinions of British science fiction and referring to um, Blake Seven in less than less than good <laughs> regards, you know, as far as um, they're just not getting it or they're not just, you know, they're looking at some of the maybe the lack of, of budget compared to some of the American science fiction of that time, whatever. It's the storytelling absolutely, and, uh, and, and the th- characters. That's that, exactly what I was thinking as you were saying that, is these people yeah. are, are clearly missing the fact that we the British actually put stories together for their science fiction, not just special effects. Yes, the stories you, and the characters you, come first. Um, you look at British science fiction and you see... There's this classic rich history of drama and storytelling. And you look at American science fiction over the last decade and you see Michael Bay movies. <laughs> that's our best. That's our best sci-fi teller here in the United States. I think the, the problem is, is that as well that um, aside from them being Michael Bay films, um, that particularly in Hollywood, they don't need to put a lot of storytelling in there. They don't need to focus on the story. They're just focused on the special effects and uh, that you know their box office successes. Even if they're critical, you know, critically 
they they have like one or two percent on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, they'll still uh, they'll still do very well at the box office just because they've got you know the wow factor lost exactly and and um, uh, Transformers Two, a Michael Bay film, is a perfect example of that. Poor story, brilliant special effects. Well, I'll go and see it anyway, you know, irrespective of the story. And um, that's the sad thing, really. It goes back to, well, it probably goes back further than that, but most recently, um, well, not most recently, but in recent times, Independence Day, I mean, it's the story, no story, no characters, and it probably made a glob sock of money, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was for, for the time one of the most successful um, sci-fi stories of the time. By the way, while we're kind of on this kind of level, although it's not British sci-fi, it is directed by a British director. If anybody hasn't seen yet Moon, which is a, a brand new, well, I say it's brand new. It's brand new um, to the UK anyway, in terms of it's, uh, it's new uh, here. It's it's playing an unlimited run right now in the US. In fact, I've been meaning to ask Ken if he wants to see that. But yes, I yeah. do actually. Because that's a prime example of really good storytelling, and they've done it on a shoestring budget. Um, the uh, director is Duncan Jones, who's actually Zoe uh, Bowie. Dave, exactly, Zoe Bowie, <laughs> um, David Bowie's son, and they they. they they put together this fantastic story. I think they made it with like five million dollars or less, which is is astonishing in today's uh, 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 in well in the modern age of cinema. Really, that's that's yeah. peanuts in terms of making a film, and it's absolutely brilliant. Go and see it if you haven't already done so. That's aside from it, but it's kind I, of British sci-fi because I the, think artists do their best work when they are put in a box and limited to what they can do and told that you only have five million dollars or pounds to work with what can you do with it and it it it, it, it creates interesting choices for an artist to have to make what they're going to include what they're not going to include what they're going to have to trick the audience into seeing or not seeing i think it's great well, uh, you know you if if the example is when you have an, an unlimited budget you get Michael Bay movies, I will take the artist inside the box any day. Yeah, this is an yeah, so. independent film. And also, The Tenth Doctor is in it, in a sense. There's, really? Well, the special effects in it, they used uh, some yeah, of the yeah. David Tenth, <laughs> Tenth Doctor uh, figures or dolls uh, in the, you know, as, as stand-ins or whatever in the special effects of the film. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really give you details, but okay. it's, it's, it's interesting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, that's a classic uh, piece of cinema that, well, I think it's brilliant, and I think it will be a classic piece of cinema. And that's, again, prime example of how you can, with a great story, it doesn't matter necessarily about the special effects. They'll come later. Just do a brilliant story, and that's the most key, uh, crucial well, thing. There was an interview, was it with a Boston paper, Lewis? The one I had put on my Facebook page that I absolutely went ballistic about asking Russell T. Davies about uh, saying something along the lines of um, with the failure of Doctor Who in the United States and like with the failure I I cannot stand modern journalism 
First off, it's not journalism. Everybody's a blogger. <laughs> I was just gonna, now. I was everybody's just gonna call a you out on that. Journalism? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody who's a blogger suddenly thinks they're a journalist, you know, and and, and that's not the case. Um, yeah. If if you don't, if there isn't a, if there isn't a gatekeeper, then you're not a journalist. And a gatekeeper in journalism is. You know, the editor, somebody who says, no, you've got to go deeper on this story or what are you talking about with this? That's that's, you know, or, or validate your sources. And um, yeah. So second. you turn around and you say with the failure of Doctor Who to gain popularity in the United States. Well, let's take a look at this. Millions of people watching it. Millions of DVD sales. The show's been on in America uh, in the classic series and in the modern series for years. Yeah, I, I would consider that a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, so. and it spawned this fantastic um, spin-off show, which we're going to talk about a bit later, which is, uh, as far as I'm aware anyway, from what I've heard from people like yourselves and other mates that I have in the States, has been a huge success over there as well. As well, well as with Dr. the failure of Torchwood here in the Indeed, United States. Yeah. We don't know if it's going to come back at all. I mean, even though it's, it's you know, one of the most popular British shows uh, shown in the States at the moment, I mean... Come and on. on while we're on this wacky people on the internet thing and we're three people on the internet but but this is just uh, and and Radio Free Scarrow really covered this very well and I mentioned it on a recent podcast as well uh this whole homophobia thing going on in in the current run of Torchwood Children of Earth how Russell T Davies is homophobic Nonsense. I know you had mentioned that. That's like a a, a, an African American man being called a racist. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, you can't be gay and be homophobic. Well, you can, but how, Lewis? Oh, the most homophobic people are. There are many homophobic people that are closet gays. Yeah, but yeah, but but that's a different type of homophobia, Lewis. That's an internal homophobia, not an external. No, no, homophobia. these act no. in external ways. They they go out and bash people. They are elected in office and pass laws against um, prohibiting um, equality. I, I but going to this point, you had mentioned this in the last Doctor Who Podshock. I haven't really encountered this. I've been getting. Um, Feedback through Twitter, on Facebook, and um, various other, on our site, gallifrandembassy.org and podshock.net, and really haven't heard any complaints about Torchwood being homophobic. So I know there was something on James Moran's blog or whatever, but I, don't, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if it's limited to that, because I really haven't seen it, it elsewhere. It has <laughs> been said in, in several forums. I have to, to back Ken up on this, and, and it's and really give, without cause. I have to give credit to... to um, the crew over at Radio Free Scarrow who bowed out of their discussion on this and allowed three guest hosts guest hosts to come together um, and and deliberately pick three people who are who are gay to discuss this and and I and I, in a way perhaps Lewis it's not fair of me to to discuss it either being a heterosexual male that I, it's it's tough for me to try to project what I perceive I'm. I'm not the recipient of homophobia. So perhaps it's just the way I view things. I just, I think taking someone like Russell T. Davies, who's done a lot to advance the cause and to take a shot at him, to me, just seems immature. Yes, completely. And I, I, I mean, I'm in your position as well, Ken. I mean, I'm not the subject of this homophobia, but I don't understand what on earth people are talking about. As far as I can see, it was one throwaway comment um, 
in the, in the show, which was which was relating to the fact that this character really was still a child and really was just like he came out of the sixties, when back then you know homophobia was rife compared to today. I mean that that was the point. It wasn't you know having having a go at the queers or whatever. It was it was trying to make a the character in the story believable. Well, that it didn't have anything to do with being homophobic. There was a, a, a discussion that we had back when the Idiot's Lantern aired. And to me, when you, when you take somebody from a different era uh, and put them in different era, I should say, era, uh, not error, you take someone from a different era and you bring them into a current situation, one of the ways that we shine the light of truth on injustices is by showing how in a different time things were perceived in a different way and under today's value system you realize in, in Idiot Slanter what I'm bringing up is um, there's a scene about with the boy if you remember with the um, we should just explain this is a Doctor Who episode um, Idiot Slanton by uh, Mark Gaddis yep uh, yep, there's a there's a line from the the grandmother or something about how, you, oh you're going to have to beat that out of him and that was the that was the mentality of people in that era that you could mm. just beat someone into not being gay. Mm. Uh, what that does in the context of the 21st century is it shines the light of the ridiculous on that that these perceptions were incorrect and ignorant. And that's what I think yep. that they're showing in Torchwood with this flashback with a character from the 60s who perceives something a certain way. Yes, absolutely. And I think now it's, it's contrasted with, with Yanto's brother-in-law who does the exact same thing and shows that his head is still stuck in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah, but, but also, also showing again. I mean, they, how can they say it's homophobic? I mean, we're getting into spoiler territory and kind of reviewing it before yeah, we, we do um, it. We got to the but I'll just this. make this one point and then we'll move on. And that is, how can you say that uh, t this last episode of Torchwood is homophobic when, when his sister, Yanto's sister, and they sit down together and she asks, you know, basically, have you gone gay? Have you gone bender? Is is her exact words? And, you know, he says something along the lines of, well, don't you want to worry about your daughter who's sitting in the room? And she says, oh, don't worry about her. She's got a, a, a friend with two mums. I mean, how can you possibly say that, 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 that it's um, homophobic? We should be championing the series and saying that it's great. It's, it's bridging the divide and showing that, you know, gay people are people. They're not, you know, the boogeyman. And it's, it's not like we're living back in... in the, the, the 1950s yeah, well, or whatever. Yeah, the whole series have been very fluid with their sexuality and exactly um, heterosexuality, um, homosexuality, bisexuality, omnisexuality. It was all represented there in Torchwood. Yeah, and I think people who who are getting upon their high horse about I this think, haven't watched the show. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe, and, and again, um, we should have waited till we got into the Torchwood discussion on this because um, you know I, I think people are lashing out because of certain events that took place in which i don't want to talk about now because that would get well, into spoiler territory why but, don't we ring the spoiler bell and move on then yeah well, let's, because, let's get into the review well because we want to before people turn off this podcast and save it <laughs> till after they you know see torchwood we have other <laughs> non-torchwood news to discuss 
That's okay, the reason why I'm enough. saving the Torchwood review for the end so people can just <laughs> stop the podcast there and save it till after they see Torchwood and then pick up uh, where they picked up. Pick up we need to go off. with the flow more. <laughs> no, we need We're to. flowing. We James need and I to are flow flowing. in the right direction more. So <laughs> <laughs> This is why maybe we should have had a, a, a pre production meeting. But James all... and I are pointed straight. Okay, and we're moving forward. Yeah, okay, now now who's being homophobic? <laughs> <laughs> now who's being homophobic? Okay. Well, while my straight counterparts are pointed straight, <laughs> I'm going to go gaily forward. Let's get on with it. <laughs> and we're going to discuss some of the late-breaking news concerning Doctor Who, which just today, as we're recording, this is Tuesday, the 21st of, of July, but yesterday, shooting of the new Doctor Who series starring Matt Smith and Karen Gillan had started on Monday, and of course, there have been pictures, as we all predicted, there's going to be, uh, as soon as they're outside shooting on location anywhere, there are going to be pictures being snapped of these two actors and any props and any other surprises that may be involved will be published. So trying to get the scoop on all that, the BBC News released uh, one of the first published photos of the new doctor, number 11, Matt Smith, in his new outfit along with um, his companion. And we do have a name for the companion now is Amy Pond. So and um, so the, the outfit is, I thought it was a little bit of throwback to, um, or at least a nod to the Patrick Troughton days, to the second doctor with the bow tie and, and, and the braces. And uh, it's a little bit neater and cleaner as opposed to Troughton's more, a little bit sloppier, looser fit. But um, I, I think it, it very much is a doctorish, I mean, uh, ensemble. He's gotten some, some people have given some flack to the bow tie, but I think the bow tie, the doctor's always had um, a, a bow tie a sense of fashion that may be considered out of sync with the rest or, or odd or, or eccentric. So I, I, I think the costume is wonderful. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was thrilled when, um, I saw this very um, Victorian, which was what the doctor is always supposed to be as this Victorian era gentleman, very Jules Verne. I call it what you will just, Absolutely. Well, he has a tweed One... jacket, dark uh, slacks, trousers, cuffed at the end, and well, laced boots. Yeah. The, the bottom half of the outfit is, could have been something out of the Christopher Eccleston Ninth Doctor yes. outfit. That's but, why I liked it as well, because it's, I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head, Lewis, when you're saying that it's a nice nod to Patrick Troughton. But I think there's a lot of, like, nods to other Doctors there as well. The boots are very Ninth Doctor and the trousers. The bow tie, as well as being Patrick Troughton, also is um, reminiscent of the third Doctor as well, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I love the fact that it's kind of like science teacher geek chic with the, the patches oh, yeah. on the tweed el uh, elbows. It's really getting back to the idea of the Doctor of being someone of kind of like an academic type uh, yeah, person. Some people make comparisons to Harrison Ford's uh, yes. Jones character. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Henry, uh, uh, well, Professor I guess Jones. Professor Jones. Yes, I, I thought of that as well. You know, well, again, it's, it's, a, it's a costume out of a certain era, so um, mm. it, it, does, it will evoke characters that you've enjoyed from period pieces like that. I again, uh, I, there are some people uh, uh, here and there. Oh, this is terrible! It's the worst thing ever. And it's 
first off, if you're new and you're very loyal to David Tennant, and I don't blame you, David Tennant is wonderful. But if if regenerations is a, a, are a new thing to you, you'll see that you'll like the new Doctor after a while. All these same people will a year from now be talking about how great season five was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and these things sometimes take time to grow, and you don't. If use you're your gonna own. dislike a Doctor because of a photo that you saw or his age, come on. No, it, it, that mm. goes. Back I would have. I wouldn't Davison. have liked Peter Davison then. Yeah, I mean, he was a bold contrast to Tom Baker's Doctor before him. I mean, and if you just saw the first pictures of him, a, a young face in a uh, cricket outfit, you're going to say, what the hell is this? You know, where's the scarf? You know, and mm. it's mm. it will be a big shock for after seven years of the fourth Doctor to uh, see Peter Davison arrive on the scene as the fifth. And I think that's what we're seeing here in some fashion. No, no Especially when the current Doctor is so popular. And that happened with Davison. From Tom Baker, it's happening now with Matt Smith from uh, David Tennant. And uh, hopefully Matt Smith is doing what Peter Davison did, which was to contrast the previous Doctor. To yes. do his own thing and take it in a, in a slightly different direction and stand mm. on his own two feet. And people are either going to love it or hate it. And you know what? Mm. The people who hate it watch it anyway. That's what happened when Star Trek The Next Generation. That's what happened with Battlestar. It's going to happen with Matt Smith's Doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, oh, I can't stand this, but I'll tune in. <laughs> I think uh, that Matt Smith is going to make a fantastic Doctor, and I think he will play it his own way. I think he, he will have had a lot a big say in the costume. He's a very uh, trendy kind of a guy. You can tell just to look at him, and I think, you know, bow ties certainly are, are getting back in a big way in terms of fashion, along with rolled-up trousers and tweed jackets and stuff like that. I mean, it, it just totally makes sense, yeah. and and also, I'm, I also am loving um, the new name of the companion, Amy Pond. I think that works really she well. She does look like an Amy. She looks so yeah, much she, like an Amy. she my... does look like Amy and her costume as well is great. I'm, I love the converse as well, kind of a throwback to uh, <laughs> yeah, the tenth doctor. And yet, my word, she is gorgeous. She's ravishing. I didn't quite realize how uh, lovely she was, but she's going to make a great companion as well. And I think uh, she's going to give Rose a good, maybe a run for her money. Who knows? We'll have to to wait and see. Um, and I think it's just great that once again, Doctor Who is playing into the geek chic thing because yes. as a geek. Uh, I need all the help I can get. So, you know, any, anytime they make it sexy is all right by me. You know? Well, that's not all that was new that was presented in these photos. And by the way, if you go to gallifreyandembassy.org or podshock.net, you'll find oh, you links better to Better ring a spo spoiler. Are you talking character or prop? Uh, prop. Yeah, I'm okay. not gonna, I wasn't even going to go into the spoiler. Um, character. There was a character spoiler in there. Yeah, that was I wasn't going to go there. I, I was going to go to the prop. Um, which, well, there were which, two props in the photos. Most people concentrated on the blue one. Well, I was going to go to the blue one, which okay. is, the, I guess, the most newsworthy of, of the bunch. Striking, certainly, yeah, in terms of its design. Well, we're talking about none other than the police box, a.k.a. The TARDIS. TARDIS. The high-definition TARDIS, as we should be calling yes. it now. <laughs> which, which goes back to uh, a nod to the low, low definition of the original early series of Doctor <laughs> Who. Yes, with the, the St. John's ambulance emblem on the, the on the yeah, other the door John's, now. Uh, cross, yeah. um, you know, ambulance um, emblem there, which is um. Yeah, the William Hartnell uh, box, of course. It has a higher roof. It's uh, you can see the, the the wood grain in the TARDIS as well. 
It's a brighter blue as well. well I, think, I think that goes back to, to the, the high uh, def. So the high def side is yeah. that it's really you know any any little thing that would have been picked up now with the with more advanced cameras has been immediately corrected. Yes. Because with the high def, if there was some light bleeding through one of those wooden um, seams or whatever, it would be. It, it would expose th- those things appeared in standard definition in the seventies. I mean, you look at some of the John Pertwee episodes and things, and you're like, "What the heck is going on with the TARDIS?" Mm. And if you were if you were being exposed to that in with 1973 technology, imagine what it would be like today using a, a 1080 uh, 1080p or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also like the windows. I don't know if you yes, know, they've changed the windows. Yeah, and and the the glass is you know it doesn't look like it's lit up from behind as it was previously. And I don't know if maybe they just had the TARDIS off at the time when these photos were taken, or if that's really what it's going to well, be. Well, they look to be painted black to me, like like the older style TARDISes uh, yeah, prior the darkened to glass, the, or or at least it looked like it was dark inside. It wasn't lit up. Yes, yeah, and I like that as well. I think I think we're going to see. Uh, more of a nod to uh, previous console rooms as well. We can't wait um, to see the interior. Yeah, and that, that's what got me excited is that they've redesigned the exterior, so clearly they must have done something to the interior as well. Um, you know, new Doctor, new Companion, new TARDIS in a way. It's really exciting and uh, quite. I'm really thrilled about it. And, and in a way, I'm at the same time, I'm kind of a bit sad that um, all of these uh, pictures have have come out onto the onto the web now. I mean, I guess it was inevitable. Well, but I'm surprised the thing is, is that we didn't get the classic rooftop picture. <laughs> Where's our that's rooftop true. picture? That, no, that's been this, a this, this was this was an entire setup because here we are on the second day, and I've seen zero pictures. Yes. Well, the, so the, the, they make oh, a big oh, yeah, splash. They yeah. come out with everything you want to see. The Doctor is companion. The TARDIS. Two other things, uh, yes. and, and a clear and deliberate attempt to say, and, and the thing is shot in uh, on a beach with some rocky cliffs, very, uh, very gravel pit, very quarry looking. Mm. It's everything that's traditional Doctor Who. These are reassuring photographs oh, for absolutely. Doctor Who fans. Sure. Uh, the the reason why I'm a little bit disappointed is not. I'm thrilled about the photos. Obviously, it's it's wonderful. But the reason why I'm kind of a bit sad is that we haven't finished David Tennant's era yet, and uh, I would have liked them to. Well, I guess it would have been maybe a little bit difficult for them to to keep all the leaks tight and everything. But um, I kind of would have liked to have seen David Tennant to its conclusion before we got to see the costume. Um, but I guess it, it just would have been far too difficult for them to do that. Well, they only did that so that in the 11 Doctors Children in Need special, he'll be able to wear his costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite. But it kind of, you know, it, it's sad for David Tennant because, you know, now he's he's kind of, his specials are overshadowed by, um, by Matt Smith. But, you know, it, I, in, it, in a way it was worth it just for the photos because they are awesome. In a wonderful piece of Facebook fan fiction, uh, someone was suggesting in some of the photos with Matt Smith in his new costume and the throwback TARDIS um, that Moffat is choosing to flash back to a young William Hartnell in that instead of him being the 11th Doctor, he's actually a young Hartnell bringing it full circle. I mean, completely not true, but fun to think about. 
<laughs> in in right. a in a in a summer of prequel movies. Um well, I was kind of speculating that perhaps this isn't his TARDIS. It was uh, he ran into his um, his former self on a certain planet, without giving things away <laughs> that that has a similar um, mm. look to it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, where the first Doctor found um, himself and Susan at one point. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Possi- it's a it's a possibility. Well, okay, so that was our. A brief Doctor Who wrap up, and we'll we'll be doing we'll be covering this at Again. length in Doctor Who Podshock. Uh, but because the news was so fresh, wonderful, and while we're on wonderful news, um, a quick note on on the Doctor Who front um, for both feeds is that um, Gallifrey, the convention Gallifrey Twenty One, is moved back a week. It's now the last weekend of February two thousand ten, and they've added some guests which are always wonderful announcements. Georgia Moffat is joining her father, Peter Davison, the fifth doctor at the convention, as well as Sarah Sutton, who played Nyssa, and various people like Phil Ford and Paul Cornell, and who am I missing in there? Um, help me, Lewis. Help, help me, Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm forgetting. Anyway, you can visit their website, gallifrey1.com, for f- details on the change of date and the guest updates. And for all we know, by the time this comes out, there'll be even more updates. But that was an interesting piece of news that also came out on the night before. That was Sunday that that information came out. And then Monday we had the doctor in his new costume and all the leaked photos from that. Yeah. Leaked, leaked nothing. Is this register open? The register light is on, isn't it? Did you find everything you needed? Yeah, I think so. What you got here? Let's see. One veggie wrap, three sixty-nine. One latte, three ninety-five. One slice of marble cake, a dollar seventy-five. One Doctor Who monthly magazine, eight ninety-nine. Doctor Who 10th Doctor figure with adipose, 1995? Uh, I take it you're a Doctor Who fan. Yes, uh, how did you guess? Uh-huh. And what's this, uh, Doctor Who Podshock? It's a podcast. A podcast? There's no price on it. I need a price check! Frank, I need a price check! Please come to the register, I need a price check! Yeah? How much is this podcast? I don't know. I don't see it listed here. Well, I gotta know what to charge him for it. Hmm. Well, what do you think it's worth? What do you think this podcast is worth? This podcast is made possible in part by support from listeners like you. If you enjoy this podcast, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi and Doctor Who Podshock and the other podcasts that we do, and you would like to see them continue... They are made possible in part by support from listeners like you and sponsors. If you haven't done so already, visit arttrap.com and hit the donate button. Thank you for your ongoing support, and if you'd like to sponsor our show, you'll find advertising and sponsorship information on arttrap.com as well. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I- <laughs>
you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, over 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? coming we are coming so uh, before we go into torchwood children of earth and any other non-torchwood children of earth news that we want to cover i don't think so i think we've uh covered everything pretty well all right then sound the spoiler alarms because um anything at this point of the podcast afterwards could be spoilers to you if you have not seen torchwood definitely Children Spoilers, of yeah. Earth. We're right in the middle of the hoopla of Torchwood. Actually, uh, now in the U.S., it's being shown on BBC America as we, well, not, not exactly as we speak, but during this week Pretty. that we're speaking. And two weeks ago, it was on BBC proper in the U.K., and it was had done phenomenal in the ratings. It's, um, I think, averaged about 6 million a night, you know, 5.9 or somewhere in that vicinity. Huge in the ratings, and uh reaction has been very very strong uh there's some mixed reactions as far as the content goes some are it's it's it is torchwood it is it opens up in um 1965 as a flashback it's dark it's raining it sets the mood that this is going to be a dark story and it it uh, fulfills that promise and i have to say that i was quite surprised i was pleasantly surprised i've seen the trailers and i didn't have um, low expectations. I just the trailers didn't, and I'm not blaming the trailers themselves because it's kind of hard to encompass five hours of Torchwood in a two minute trailer. But it didn't, you know, it 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 was far far better than what I was expecting just from the trailers. It just it has um, a very cinematic feel to it. They did it as a five. If you don't know already, this season, this series of Torchwood is five episodes as opposed to the traditional what thirteen episodes. So they, I think, but I think they had the same budget that they had for the full series, and they com- they made it into five explosive episodes that tell a, a complete story. So it's a miniseries, really. Yes, it's a, definitely a miniseries, and told over five consecutive nights. I think that really helped. Yes. It helped the storytelling. It kept everything fresh in your mind. It it definitely generated a lot of excitement. I could not wait to come home and watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pacing yeah. was intense, and it kept you going. You know, it was, um, as you said, it was. It wouldn't have, even though I had said before seeing this, I had said it maybe ha- would have worked better if they did it in five weeks. So because we are in this gap year between, you know, with with the lack of, uh, of a regular series of Doctor Who and a lack of a complete series of, of Torchwood, now we, you know, they're doing it in a compressed one week. We're going to get, you know, go through Torchwood. But I think, it, as Ken said, it worked. This did work. It, it was one complete story. Yeah. Well, this is a to great me- example where an artist's vision for how his piece of artwork is presented when not meddled with by bean counters 
the vision, you know, works. Everything worked artistically. What they were trying to achieve works. Yeah, and I think, um, to my mind, this was my favorite series of Torchwood. Oh, yeah, uh, same here. 100%. it made me a Torchwood fan. I, I yes. as everybody knows, I'm not. I, I didn't particularly flip out over the first or second series. Yeah, the writing was terrific. Uh, I have to say, uh, Russell T Davies, uh, John Fay, and James Moran did a brilliant job. And because it's such a quite a complicated storyline, really, when you think about it. And they did such a... a, There were, you know, minor plot holes and things here and there. But by and large, they did a great job of sort of piecing everything together and twist, making lots of twists and turns. And it really kind of, you know, uh, echoed back to the original series of Doctor Who in that it had a cliffhanger every night to... Mm -hmm. Even at, you know, even at the end of the series, there's a cliffhanger as to, you know, what's going to happen with Torchwood and, you know, all the rest of it. So it was hugely, hugely really well done and um, brilliant actors, particularly um, the chap who played John Frobisher, who was, you know, effectively the the civil servant, the home office civil servant, Mm -hmm. played by Peter Capaldi, who's a, a wonderful Scottish actor, won I don't know how many Academy Awards and BAFTAs. Um, he was brilliant in it, mm-hmm. and you know he he for me would was the the best supporting actor they could have they could have gotten and uh, I completely agree with Lewis that this hit this took me really by surprise. I was completely blown away by it and i 'm kind of glad that they that they there wasn 't too much of a build up to it you know the the hype was big when it was on, but before you know there wasn 't too much of a a, a fanfare about it, you know. It, it was so. It really was uh, a nice, uh, a nice way to do it, a nice surprise for us all. So, um, well, it was. It was finished. What late last year? So they they've been sitting yes, on this for a while, and I think that time. might have helped contain any of that last minute build up or that you know, oh, this was just shot a month ago and things had leaked or whatever. They had a chance to let things kind of simmer down. The actors were off doing other things. And so it came back and they had time to prepare it and and prepare for its transmission and get it set the way they wanted it to. They waited, they were patient, and it worked. I also want to continue on the thread that James had mentioned as far as giving a nod to the writing. I also have to give a nod to Eurus Lin, who directed all five episodes. And I think that was a um, part of its success as well, as as opposed to giving it to five different directors. It really had a, even though it was written by several people, it was concise. It felt like all one story. And I have to give nods to Eurus Lin for tying it all together. Excellent editing, good use of music. Great special effects, by yeah. the way, as well. Yeah. Mm, yes, definitely. I I, I mean, liked um, I liked the fact that, and I'm a strong proponent of this. And I we we talked we talked about when the Star Trek movie came out back in May, how I talked about science fiction and metaphors and things like that. This was great science fiction, which utilized metaphors for other things, for telling stories, telling very modern stories, things that you couldn't say in certain ways that you can get away with in science fiction. And the idea of having aliens that are drug addicts and uh, sort of this this panic over 
terror alerts and things like that centering around the children was very poignant. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. The only thing in the five episodes that kind of took me out of it a little bit was I think in the second episode, the, the, I loved the concrete block thing. I thought that was brilliant. But I thought the resolution of it and, and our Torchwood heroes getting off the army base was a, a little too simple. A little simple. too easy, yeah. 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 And, I agree. Uh, one of the things that somebody had mentioned about uh, uh, referring to Torchwood was that it's, it's more realistic than Doctor Who. And I was like, on what planet? <laughs> um, you know, you have yeah, an immortal Captain guy. Jack was blown to bits and somehow managed to. Uh, yeah, come yeah, they've got they've got this pieces. multi-ton block of concrete which gets lifted by a forklift, um, yeah. and and four people get off a, a base filled with soldiers who were professionally trained to stop them. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there were there were holes in the plot and. Uh, the well, only biggest... in a, only in a few spots like that. I, yes, I think they boxed absolutely. themselves into a corner, and they and if you would have, the idea of putting Captain Jack in a block of concrete is to make you wait till the next night to figure out how they're going to yeah, get him out. They're going to get him out. Yeah, and, and that they, was brilliant about it. And they that, set him up. Forgive the holes for that. They put yeah, him in the carbonite absolutely. and they got him out of it within <laughs> you know within a few minutes. Yeah. Well, and that was the only part for me that really was a, a bit of a letdown. Another thing that I, I did enjoy about this is that they didn't give you all the answers. The the, the uh, alien yeah. known as four five six, we still don't know a lot about, and we didn't see a full reveal of them. And I I, I like that mystery. You know, yeah, it was scary. It was bloody scary. It, it had me bloody brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it, and, it re- and I like that. It reminded me a bit of Kosh from Babylon Five, and, and, and keeping that mystery yeah. factor. You know, yeah. where it was in a smoke filled environment, and you couldn't really see and it just added to the whole mystery and, and um, horror element of it. Mm, mm. And I mean, I, I think that they that that is a great way to bring fear into things when it's more psychological than than just right in your face, you know. And 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 I think I, I mean I was pretty scared, and I think there will have been a lot of people out there who will have been terrified by this. So that's that's uh, a key point of Doctor Who and. And sci-fi in general, I think, if you're going to have, if you're going to have aliens and you're going to make them horrific monsters, make them scary and make them, you know, even with the Daleks, for example, the, one of the whole biggest things about the Daleks, why they were so scary, aside from the fact that they could, you know, kill you coldless, uh, heartlessly with for no reason, was the fact that you never really saw them. You didn't really, you know, that we were in a, a, mach- a machine, a box, and you could never really sort of get to them and see what they were really like and that was kind of uh, thrilling for me as a kid watching that kind of stuff and for those that had because there's been some before the series came out there were some fears of that they may use children here in a manner of um exploitive you know and and it really wasn't they weren't exploiting the children they were the um in in the sense they weren't the children weren't doing the killing or or, or yeah so it that was if clever. You, if you had that fear going into this, or that was a turnoff, if you saw trailers to that, and like, oh, I don't, they're, they're using children in an inappropriate way or whatever. I mean, they do play a significant, significant part in the story. It's called Children of Earth, so, and, um, you know, the, the, there are some consequences. And, and that's another thing that we didn't touch upon is that, and, and that's another great thing about Torchwood, is that this is storytelling where there are consequences on your actions it's not at the end of the day you're not back to exactly where you were in the beginning of the day before the adventure you know started so 
characters can die. Um, there, there were new characters that were introduced here that I thought were going to be long-standing characters that turned out that they weren't. You know, so yeah. it, it's yeah. um, it, it's great in that respect because there's you know so many times you're watching a series and you know uh, okay well they're gonna have to get out of it somewhere or they, the 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 leads never die and it's always the red shirt that gets killed you know and that's not <laughs> the case here in Torchwood. Yeah, and and. To your point, though, is although they didn't exploit the children, as you mentioned, this is a darker take and there's some sacrifices to be made. And they don't shy away from being challenging in that. No. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this was that it took, it took chances. It, it, was, it was bold and daring, which is what daring, great science yeah. fiction is supposed to be. Uh, and it, it, it challenges your thinking. It, cha- it makes you think and... You know, you may not agree with certain things, and this goes back to what we spoke with earlier about some of the people. Being that we've already rung the the spoiler bell, um, the character of Yanto, which is one of the most beloved characters in the series, is killed off, and that in itself is a, is a serious point in the show. But the there's people who are discussing it. There are people who are uh, uh, pro. Um, main characters being sacrificed. There were people who were very against. There were people really attached to this character, and they felt very passionately about it, and they pushed back against it. But part of the things that makes this show great, it, the reason that you like it, is because it's willing to take these chances. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And I think that's what made him more real and made his his passing even more. You know, gives gives it more weight. You know, if he yeah. if he was just going to go <gasps> back up and alive again, just like Captain Jack, then next time he dies, it's not going to be. Yeah, no, they they wouldn't do that. I think not not in a series as dark as Torchwood. And and they they were willing to take the chance that he didn't go out in this heroic blaze of glory. That he was taken out by something that in most science fiction films is easy to overcome yeah you just you just you know flip a switch or whatever or take yeah, a high spray there's, or, there's or a million you know magical ways in other science fiction or, or even in this science fiction that you could get out of things they chose not to go there they chose to make it dark and one of the things i will say and i know that um that john barrowman was on some of the you know the bbc morning shows or the talk shows promoting this and he was kind of disappointed that BBC chose to do some editing on this uh, for content reasons. I thought the 9 o'clock, the, the 9 p.m. BBC One time slot and whatever they had to do to get this program ready for that made it more accessible. Yes. It was yeah. still dark and challenging, but certain parts of its content were toned down and not... Um, not sexed up in a way. It, it was not sexed up, and they allowed it. They allowed everything to be subtle, and that to me made it the most believable of the three Torchwood series. Yes, and and I think that subtlety really made it feel like classic sci-fi. This really did feel, to me at least, anyway, like a classic piece of sci-fi. It had all the elements there, and. Um, I think it, the whole thing just worked, and I'm really thrilled that they took their time to do it. They didn't rush it. They, uh, you know, they made it work. The, every piece of the jigsaw puzzle was there. Uh, like we we covered it before, there were a few um, uh, 
sort of holes, but you were willing to forgive them just because the story was so brilliant and the acting was so great and the special effects were fantastic. And uh, it had a moral behind the story and this kind of, as well as, as the aliens there as well, you know, looking at humanity and, and saying, you know, my, my goodness, what a, why are we prepared to do this? You know, and what monsters humans are and, and what, you know, there's this great line that Gwen gives us. She's recording uh, to the camera mm. on day five saying that now she understands why sometimes the doctor doesn't always show up to save the day because at times he'll be too ashamed of humanity at what they're prepared to do. And I love the fact that they kind of had that anti-establishment kind of view, you know, look at the government, they'll sell us out over anything. But, you know, it's also that side of humanity. And I also thought it was quite interesting that nobody from the government anyways, it's showing the boardroom and everything, showing the cabinet. None of them had the the mere inkling to think, well, what, what would happen if we just said no? And if mm -hmm. we kind of went against them? You know, they're clearly just going to come back for more and more children later on and we're going to have to give them to them. We can't keep making up stories about inoculations and stuff. We should fight. We should, you know, take them on, yeah, I, even I if it means annihilation. Nobody they, they should no, have been maybe a little bit more of that. Maybe one or two characters, at, at, you know, would have stood up and said, no, we, we have to fight them right off the bat, you know. And yeah, but I, I like that because it kind of, it made you feel, um, you know, you may, it made you despise them even more because they were all so cowardly. They were just, they, you know, they wouldn't even put their own children up, you know, in the selection process. They were just being completely, you know, like how you imagine politicians are, just, you know, mm -hmm. un, uninterested in, you know, we, we have this idea that we have democracy and that the democracy is for the people. But really, you know, they'll do anything to save their own skin. And it, it came at such a timely point with all this expenses scandal here in the UK and you know how all this stuff has come out of the woodwork about ministers doing things for themselves and having several jobs and earning loads of money off the people's back and I like that and I think it was you know I had no sympathy for them purely because they didn't say oh you know well, what we should fight we shouldn't we shouldn't sell out our people. We should we should fight these people to the the bare end. And and the kind of deception as well. They didn't even want to tell, you know, UNIT and the United Nations about you know Britain's previous running with the four five six and all the rest of it. And I think they sh you know they should have, you know, if they were moral, because then they would realise kind of what they're up against and why they they handled things the way they did the first time around when Captain Jack was was there and why they gave the children away in 1965 and all that kind of stuff. But so on, on a related note, while we're talking about this, I have to, we, since we haven't mentioned it before, we have to give a, a, a big nod to um, Nick Briggs, who plays a character yes. here. We actually see <laughs> Nick cabinet, Briggs. Yeah. And as opposed to just hearing him, Nick Briggs, if you don't know, uh, is uh, probably most known for Doctor Who fans as the the voice of the Daleks. He's done other voices as well, but uh, Cyberman, course, Cyberman, yeah. and 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 others. So uh, he's has a background in big Finnish audio dramas, and uh, he he here he is in his full glory as a human. On well, yeah. <laughs> some people kind of you know challenge me on the human <laughs> debate, <that. laughs> but he played it so wonderfully, and he was so beautifully sinister. He he really did sink himself into the well, role after all, he is the dalek you know? <laughs> yeah exactly and and i mean he's he, you know he he does have uh off the the back of the big finish uh audios he's played a lot of the roles in that he's no stranger mm -hmm. to acting 
this is just the first time that we've seen him sort of on screen, but he acts every time that he plays mm-hmm. a character in Big Finish and the Daleks and the Cybermen, and I think it's it's wonderful that they gave him a role. Yeah, uh, it was on very screen. nice to see him, and and he and he was he was cold. <laughs> yeah, really cold and brutal, um, just like the rest of the cabinet actually. Um, yeah. but played wonderfully by a, a spectacular cast. I mean, um, the Prime Minister. Mm. Who's uh, uh, I, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think he was he called Brian Green or something like that, played by Nicholas Farrell. Um, he was brilliant yeah, as the prime minister and and very believable. And I think that's why you know, Ken, you were saying before how you were speaking to someone and they said, Oh, I like Torchwood because it's more believable than Doctor Who or it's <laughs> more realistic than Doctor Who. I think this time around they got it right because the characters were so believable, the personalities were so believable, and that's why we were we were willing to suspend our disbelief in the fact that you know Captain Jack could get out of a block of concrete and they could escape an army base and you know all these these kind of minor plot holes. You know we could we could believe all that because we we um, had faith in the characters. Yeah, and speaking of characters, they introduced a new character in uh, Lois Biba. Lois Habiba, yeah, Habiba, yeah. Habiba, okay. And I think she, at first I thought she was working against Torchwood. I thought she was a plant, you know, in that yeah. Frobisher's office. You know, it, it seemed like she was a bit too nosy to be just, you know, curious. I thought she was actually there investigating Torchwood until I realized, um, well, by, the, I don't know, the second episode or whatever, that she was um, actually then started to working with Torchwood. Mm, mm. Very much like um, the doctor. I'm trying to remember his name. Rupesh. Yes. Something yes. Who, or other. Who, who turned out that he was working for Agent Johnson, and I loved how she double crossed him there. And, is is that know, her name? Because I know she, they asked her her name, and she didn't give her name. I, wonder... I think I think she was called Agent Agent Johnson. Oh, okay. I don't know if I've just picked that out of out of the blue. I'm I'm sure that somebody referred to her as such in. In the, we didn't know her first name, as far as I'm aware. But she um, needed to buy the farm, though. Yes, yeah. And she seriously. needed to come up and, you know, uh, uh, again in Torchwood fashion, what you expect is not what you're always going to get, and so yes. you have to deal with that. But, mm. but boy, I would like to have seen her take a bullet to the head. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of nice that she she came back and was one of the good guys in the end. I mean, she was she she at least was willing to do um, the right thing for the for the state for the country, um, you know. And and she's she's a trained killer in contrast to the politicians who, you know, they did they don't fight and they were willing to sell us out, you know, to save their own skins and all the rest of it. Um, I thought that was a nice contrast there. And Lewis as well. I loved her character. Played she was played um, by Kush Jumbo. Uh, she did a great job, and I think she's going to be the new Martha Jones. I hope they bring her back for Torchwood. But they do she's... mention Martha Jones in episode one. They you do. Know, she they was do. on vacation, whatever. Obviously, Freezer Freemer Adjaman was off doing. Um, was it um, the CSI? What, what they do? Law and Order. Law and Order. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think she couldn't do it, so they got uh, they got. Uh, uh, Kush on board and she did a terrific job and I think that uh, it was nice to have uh, if you haven't if you haven't um, seen any Torchwood before she was kind of your 
route into getting hooked into it. And it was great that they had her there from episode one so that you could kind of gain an insight into what Torchwood is all about as an organization and all the rest of it. Um, and, and that was very clever as well, particularly as, as it's been off our screens for so mm-hmm. long. Another actress that did a great job was um, the, the actress that played uh, Mr. Frobisher's assistant. Um, I yes, don't know uh, the, the character was name. called Bridget Spears, and, and the actress, I think, was called Susan Brown. She did a wonderful job too, and um, I think she was outstanding. Yes, uh, uh, the every I mean, just everybody was brilliant in this. They casted it superbly. I mean, I can't sing its praises enough. Would I mean it sounds, you know, it sounds terrible because we're just we're both big fans of this series, and there's nothing worse than listening to a review where everybody just says good things about it. But I, I honestly, aside from the minor plot holes and things, I can't really find much fault with it, really. Can, you know what I? I also consider. Did I enjoy it? That's something people don't consider when they review things. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. Yes, I liked. <laughs> I liked watching it. <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Like, what, at what point do you just stop saying, "Yeah, I liked that. It was good." I mean, just yeah. to echo Sometimes some of the. It's just that simple. The, the feedback yeah. that we've been getting that maybe you know from those that that maybe thought differently than us that there, there, there was that thought that the series was just too dark. There, um, as we were talking about earlier, obviously I haven't seen much of it, but obviously it's out there that that people were claiming um, homophobia in it, which to me is very bizarre. I, I know yes. you can well, to us too. <laughs> you can um, draw parallels to maybe uh, films of the past where homophobia is present, where uh, only the gay actors or the gay characters die. But I, you know, in the case of of um, Anto, he was. Um, you know, he even said it was only Captain Jack. He was he wasn't even coming out as as a um, a as a homosexual, or he was um, pretty much a um, bi, if you will. Where he was, um, you know, because we've seen him with um, what's her name? Who was the Cyberwoman? Um, <laughs> I forget the character's name, but yeah, Lisa. Lisa, Lisa was the character's you. name, but yeah. I, I, and I can't remember the name of the actress off the top. No, of my no, head. no. I'm but sorry. Lisa was the character's name. But even if she, and even still, I mean, he had a relationship with 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 um, Captain Jack Harkness there, and and, and Captain Jack is uh, omnisexual, if you will, and you know he survived as well. And I, I think everyone's up for grabs as far as um, who's gonna not who's gonna make it and who's not gonna make it. Last series we saw um, Owen, who was clearly straight, and um, Tosh, who had sexuality sexual relationships with um at least um th- that we've seen on alien <laughs> well, well with an alien but a female alien as well yeah. so i i think she may be bi in that respect or or maybe a lesbian we don't know but it d- doesn't matter you know it's yes. i didn't really yeah. see it and i would think i would be a little bit more tuned into that but i i didn't see that at all no no i, I mean it i think that's what torchwood uh, highlights is the fact that Okay, maybe to be, uh, I mean, the, the, in the beginning, a lot of people started to call Torchwood Touchwood because it seemed, you know, <laughs> too much about sex and and less about, you know, the story. And I think I tend to agree with that. But the important key thing that Torchwood is highlighting is that sexuality doesn't matter. You know, people like what they like. People love who they love. It doesn't matter. You know, it, just get on with the storytelling let's forget all this homophobic nonsense and, you know, leave it in the past where it belongs. Let's start as we mean to go on. Well, I think maybe, and this is just me speculating, is that uh, 
there's been such a hunger for any serious science fiction or, or drama, but but especially in science fiction because we've now we've seen it in dramas. But there hasn't been um, gay characters depicted as heroes in um, in well, I was going to say in science fiction, but really in any any form whatsoever. So uh, seeing Captain Jack and and Inyanto is um, on screen as such a couple where they were kind of presented framed in this series and then having one of them killed off seems to now you know burst that bubble burst that balloon here you know we finally got what we were hoping for and now it's gone but you know it doesn't it, the the series still exists you know it's it hasn't been taken away and you don't know um and and as far as the future of torture goes that's still up in the air we don't know what's going to happen obviously captain jack is mm. is still around um John Barrowman has come out and said in the press that he hopes to continue playing Captain Jack for the rest of his career. So whether it be Torchwood or not, we don't know. Obviously, the character has transcended more than one television series. So uh, yes, it, it could and be I a think, completely different series. I think the way that they've left it, Torchwood, is quite clever and quite good because it does bring the possibility that Captain Jack can come back in Doctor Who. Um, in Matt Smith's era somewhere down the line. And I like that mm -hmm. because I don't think... I mean, the Beeb, the Beeb would be daft to, to axe Torchwood. I mean, they've, they've, they've put out this very... Um, yeah, uh, what's the word I'm looking spokeswoman for? spokeswoman said that they have to look at the yeah. ratings. Well, hello! Yeah, they, but <laughs> they, they, they said something like the lines of, we're going to have to assess Torchwood's future. You know, we'll be closely examining the ratings, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. But I mean that in in essence is is nonsense. Torchwood will be coming back because it's in as far as I'm aware in the states it's more popular than than Doctor Who and Doctor Who is is pretty popular in the states now. Well, let's let's also frame this a little bit differently. We may learn something this coming Sunday at San Diego Comic Con, depending on what Indeed. the announcements and the panels have to say there. Secondly, Indeed. I don't think it's a matter of them having cancelled. Torchwood or not commissioned a fourth series, how about we don't know what the creators of Torchwood have in mind? That also it, is it, true. It, we're, we're framing this under, oh, poor Russell, he really wants to make another Torchwood. How do we know it's not Russell who's saying, I'm going to put Torchwood on the back burner for a little while uh, while mm. I'm doing something else? Or he comes out on Sunday and says, well, we're planning on doing a Torchwood film or we're planning mm. on doing a Doctor Who film. Oh, we're planning on doing this, or we're planning on doing that, or we're going to do Torchwood Series 4, but in two years, uh, because we want to come back with a full season and re have it reinvent itself. Whatever those answers are, we're, we're just assuming mm -hmm. that well, exactly. the, the assumption is that mm -hmm. the Beeb gave up on it or whatever. That didn't happen. And the ratings thing was just to push the discussion off exactly. till Comic-Con. Yeah. We have to see what the ratings are like. No, you don't. You knew what the ratings were going to be. You knew it. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you. <laughs> What's the same with Doctor Who? Well, we'll have to wait and see how Doctor Who does. Well, so far, it hasn't let anybody down. Yeah. In actual fact, I think it surpassed expectations. Uh, and they're using I... Torchwood and Doctor Who to launch BBC America HD. It's one of the flagship shows. The fact that they have such confidence in it, the fact that they are hinging the HD's launch in America uh, on these mm -hmm. these shows yeah, shows the confidence. On as you just said, it's their flagship show in a sense. A I've been seeing there's, advertisements. There's 100% confidence in these shows. On, on other channels that, that 
BBC America is doing, you know, promoting Torchwood. I mean, someone said there was the Food Channel that uh, they saw a Torchwood ad on. And I thought, well, you know, the Torchwood characters have to eat, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with, with, with a few other shows as well, you know, Top Gear is very popular. And there's other, there's other shows that are popular that are going to help launch this new channel. But they chose Torchwood. They know that there's a huge cult following and that science fiction fans are very vocal. And in order to get that channel on as many cable systems as they can or satellite providers – science fiction fans would be vocal and we we still need to be vocal there are plenty of places that aren't that didn't take it as of yesterday i know it's just the first day but it hasn't happened yet and as i've been pushing for here on cable vision long island we haven't had either sd or hd now uh, we had a few false uh, reports that that people thought it was going to be on in the 800s and it wasn't so keep calling keep saying let's let's have it <laughs> i think what it is i think there must be a fear uh, of outsourcing our television to Britain, you know, because we make such masterful television here in the United States. <laughs> yeah, well, and and what we do is we take successful British shows and try to Americanize them and do, um, you know, uh, and and we've done it with Russell T Davies or Queer as Folk. Well, we, the the we, thing we is, it. no one can understand that foreign language that British people yeah. speak. Oh, I know. <laughs> Life that's on Mars, so The Office. It's, um, I mean, sometimes it's, family. yeah, I was just going to say, sometimes it's successful, like all in the family, but more times the than not, it's, it's, the thing um, about that though is, is that, um, in the States you do actually produce a lot of really fine television and sometimes it's swept under the carpet for various daft reasons. Well, enough about like Fox TV. In, well, <laughs> quite, you know, it, it's swept under the carpet by putting it on a really late night, uh, slot so that you know the, the the audience just isn't there whereas if they put it you know a bit earlier then it would be a huge success you know all, a variety of different reasons but there there are some fantastic amount of uh, american television shows out there sci-fi i don't know <laughs> but um aside from things like star trek in terms of movie franchises but I think we should we should be championing. We should be saying to the networks, both in the UK and the US and anywhere for that matter. Look, make quality television. We'll watch it. You know, that's what we're we're here to do. Forget about this nonsense uh, reality TV shows oh, and please. all the rest yes, of it. I wish. I mean, we've said it many times before, but it's true. I mean, surely people are sick of it by now. But it's just that you can make loads of money with a reality TV show. Well, but as much as I despise TV, and hate it, people continue to watch it and they get the yeah, ratings. Yeah, that's and... it. But I mean, they they just want to, to to make some controversy, don't they? It's far easier to make some money with controversy than to make an actually good television program. I mean. You don't have to hire. And wait, I, I have to also be fair because we are fair and balanced. That Fox, <laughs> Fox <laughs> Television, we're not Fox. <laughs> Fox Television has been uh, actually has been a, a, a pretty strong supporter of science fiction with the X Files and and even Firefly. As much as they hacked that up, they still chose to take a chance on a science sure. fiction program. But and, I think and, the, and the Doctor Who movie of nineteen ninety six. You didn't see NBC, ABC, or CBS stepping up to the plate. For that movie, well, so we're, we're focusing on the negatives that they didn't choose to con to continue the series in 1996. You know, they had that option of picking it up, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we. I mean, they at least they they stepped in and they they gave it a chance, so to speak. I mean, they really centered their Sunday night around the X Files. 
And they had the wisdom enough to move it off Fridays and move it to Sundays, where it went from, you know, to wh where it became the success that it eventually became. So. But I mean, for every plus, there's the, the, I mean, they, I mean, obviously, The Simpsons is doing very well, but then the Family Guy, they canceled only to bring it back. And once they realized their mistake, and now Futurama as well. Is, um, and even though they're not going to bring back the original cast members to voice, uh, you know, the characters, which I think is terrible. And I think any future armor fan out there will say the same. But so, if anything, they're bipolar. They, they're, you know, they're, they're, on one hand, they they'll take the chance and and of bringing the series of, of doing science fiction, but then on the other hand, they 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 axe it too quickly. Yeah. Or, or they don't give the nourishment it needs to grow up and and walk on its own. But hey, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> any 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 network that's producing good quality television, sci-fi, whatever, fair play to them. I mean, they'll they'll they should be supported for that, and we should call in and say, you know, hey guys, great job on that. You know, I don't think um, people give enough feedback, positive feedback to to television studios. All they'll ever hear will be the negative stuff, which is maybe true of uh, of anything. I mean, the only the only feedback you ever get is negative you know you never get any positive stuff where people come along and say you know hey that was great you know i really liked it so bringing things back to torchwood here children of earth uh, and and tying it into what we're just talking about please support the bbc bbc america buy the dvds the blu-rays are coming out on july 28th and in the u.s i think they've already come out in the uk if i'm not mistaken i, I believe so yeah i believe so, so and to that end as well I'd, I'd just like to say um along the same lines um if you are in the states and you, you want to support bbc america you can go to the bbc america shop they've got some fantastic t-shirts that have just come out quite recently relating to Doctor Who and indeed British television in general. And it looks like I'm quite jealous, really, because I wouldn't know where to go to get that kind of stuff from the BBC here in the UK. There's a link to it on the Gallifrey Embassy Doctor Who Podshock site. So if you go to gallifreyembassy.org or podshock.net on the left sidebar, there's a link to the BBC America shop. Yeah, and they have DVDs and uh, T-shirts, all sorts of really, really cool stuff. Um, my favorite one is, uh, aside from the Doctor Who ones, there is the I Am The Stig t-shirts for anybody who's a, <laughs> a Top Gear fan. It's it's funny saying that, you know, that, that they have great, because usually it's being, you know, here in the U.S., we always say that about the U.K. Oh, the U.K. has all the great stuff. And if you go to the, you know, the, the, the BBC uh, shop, you know, in the U.K., they probably have stuff that we want. And so it's usually um, vice versa for us. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry to butt in there, Lewis. I didn't no, mean no, to... No, 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 that's, that's good, that's good. Um, I'm just, um, I didn't mean to, to derail your thought process. <laughs> that's, that's all right, that's all right. So, yeah, so um, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll still either be in BBC America's um, showing of it. I'm sure they'll do uh, reruns if you haven't seen it yet. So please catch... I'm sure if you're listening to this point in the podcast, you've already seen... Torchwood Children of Earth, but the point that I'm trying to make is to make sure it, it may even be available on iTunes once it's on BBC America. It's that's how it works with Doctor Who. So I'm assuming it will be on iTunes as well. So purchase it on yes, iTunes. Yes, uh, it, it actually I got a, a thing this morning that episode one appeared on iTunes today. So the the point I was just making is that if you enjoy what you uh, what you consume in media, make sure you support it and uh, vote with your dollars or pounds or whatever rubles, you know, whatever you use to um, as, as <laughs> whatever currency. Whatever you currency. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so I um oh we also just want to make a mention that uh, preceding Children of Earth there were three tortured audio dramas that were released on uh, BBC Radio Four and the they week, were excellent the week before uh, the Wednesday Thursday and Friday uh, before BBC America not BBC America BBC UK showed tortured children Children of Earth they were forty five minute or I think they were forty five minutes um, audio dramas on BBC Radio 4, so and they were available to download free um, for a week on mm. on the site. Uh, they were, I should reframe that, available to download in the UK, or you could stream it anywhere for a week. Yes, yeah, you, could, you couldn't uh, download them if you were in the States, I think. But. Yeah. yeah, I think there was one episode that they let out, <laughs> mistakenly, I'm assuming. Did they, did they actually broadcast them? Well, I don't know where they would broadcast them, actually, in the States, but I just wondered if no, they, they did weren't. a sort of thing in the States in the build-up to no, it. No, if you think our television's bad, you should listen to our radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's really garbage. <laughs> But I mean, I, I guess that they'll bring them out on CD or on iTunes, etc., as time time goes along. Because they, I I didn't hear all of them, but I heard bits of them because my girlfriend was listening to them avidly. Because uh, you know she's. A, I listened uh, to all three prior to the start of the Children of Earth, and I thought yeah. they were great. I really did. Uh, was very was well like done. Sorry, Ken. Was there like a an arc to them, or a, a sort of no? Nope, they were three uh, like one-offs. I liked that they were very focused. They didn't do any overlapping storylines or anything like that. They just said they had oh. a, you know a, a a mission or a, a, a challenge. And they would go and they would do it, and that would be it. They, there were little bits of character development, a few things they were setting up for Children of Earth as far as the interrelationship with the characters. But other hmm. than that, they were three. Unrelated stories, um, very straightforward as far as the storytelling. You know, there's a problem. Torchwood is solving the problem. How are they going to go about doing this? They didn't try to get too uh, overly ambitious. I liked it. it was a tight amount of time. I think they were about 45 minutes, if my memory is correct. Yes. They move very quickly because of that, and, and I like that. Okay, well, I... Um, I believe that's going to wrap things up for uh, for this episode. Well, do we have any feedback for uh, Hitchhikers? We have. We I know we have at least one feedback that we got. Because, I mean, it's been a while since we've done one, so... We, uh, may, we may have more, oh. but... Uh, and how does one go about offering feedback for Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi? Well, you can send feedback to... Well, there's a couple of ways. You could send feedback, send an email to feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi dot com, or go to our uh, website, which is um, you can you go to it by going to uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi dot com, and there's a, a feedback uh, um, submission there for if under contact you can send feedback that way. But uh, feedback at Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi dot com is um it's a it's a mouthful. I realize that. And if you're on Facebook, we have a uh, page there as well. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. You can join us there, and we put all kinds of interesting things there, or we hope interesting things there. Mm. Okay, I had this email before, and now uh, let's... Typical, he's lost it. No, it's well, it's in. The, it's it's just have to refind it. It's not lost. I just need to refind it. <laughs> oh, <boy>. uh, <laughs> the definition of lost being. <laughs> all right, here it is. It's um. 
this is from Jill Arroway from um, The Signal. So it's another uh, it's a another podcast on um, on um, on we were just talking about it. The brown coats. What's um, Firefly. 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 Thank you. Hi, Jill from The Signal here. I'm absolutely loving Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Keep it coming. More of the same. It's wonderful to hear you guys chatting about stuff. That's what we do. We chat about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, though, I do find listening to the show a little bit frustrating sometimes, though, because you never actually talk about any of the programs for the fear of giving away spoilers. You end up... Not today. Well, yeah, not today. <laughs> you end up avoiding talking about British sci-fi, the complete opposite of what you should be doing. Imagine if we imagine if you weren't allowed to uh, give any Doctor Who spoilers on Doctor Who Pachak, and I mean any, not just episodes in still in production, but um, also episodes that have already been aired. You just wouldn't have a show. Uh, there's no middle ground. You can't half spoil. You can't. You can't half spoil in quotation marks half spoil uh, either given a either either given even a given listener has seen the program under discussion or they haven't. It's that simple. So please either give no spoilers whatsoever or uh, assume that the audience have seen the program and discuss it freely. Just give a spoiler warning before and before you start the discussion and people can choose whether to listen or to skip. Also. Would it be possible to discuss the real, in parentheses, the real life on Mars in, onto its, in and of itself without making references to the U.S. remake? I ask because I think, um, because I think you've actually discussed the British show itself. Because uh, I'm sorry. I ask because I don't think you've actually discussed the British show itself. In an earlier episode of Hitchhiker's Hitchhiker Guide to British Sci-Fi, you promised that you would talk about survivors. I'm still waiting patiently and hoping that you'll get to it soon with a little smiley face. Yeah, actually, there was some news about there's a series two of survivors on the way, isn't there? I believe I so, yeah. So uh, I heard through I the grapevine. I was just reading that the other day, but okay. And I think uh, I'm We have I'm our work try- cut out for us. Yeah, I'm going to try and pick up um, Survivors on DVD because I believe it's it's out now or is is imminently coming out. I seem to remember, um, but uh, I I think that there is going to be a, a second series. Yeah, so um, uh, I'll just finish up her email here. Um, I will omit some bias here. I believe that the original Survivors is one of the greatest dramas the BBC has ever made, and that the remake is is um, <laughs> is a steaming pile of crap. <laughs> but that's just my bias. It would be interesting in hearing your take. I hope <clears throat> I hope this uh, doesn't come off uh, as negative. I really enjoy the show, and I'm looking forward to more. I look forward to every episode, and every time a new episode arrives, I always jump to the top of my listening. It always jumps to the top of my listening queue. I only yeah. nitpick because I love it. Jill. Oh, okay. That's Very sweet. Nice. And, and Jill, how do you really feel about the remake of Survivors? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I've just Googled it, and I can confirm that uh, Series 2 has been commissioned and will be airing this year. Um, And uh, a lot of the main characters are going to return, and instead of being set in Manchester, it's going to be set in Birmingham this this time. So filming's relocated over there. So uh, apparently the show was delayed, though, uh, because of the swine flu outbreak. So... uh, I don't know quite what that means, but uh, apparently they are filming and it will be coming out later this year. 
damn swine flu. Indeed. Isn't isn't that I haven't seen Survivors, but isn't that kind of ironic or? Yeah, very <laughs> ironic. I I'm not I'm not sure whether it's actually a joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that's the, we may have gotten other feedback and I apologize for not having it handy, um, but we'll get to that for the next show. That's the only one that I have handy. Does anyone else have any feedback? From I think Hitchcock? that's the, the one that I had uh, had highlighted to discuss. So mm-hmm. um, please and do send some, any feedback. For some reason, I'm thinking there's another. And, and of course, after that's we what Yoda stop, said. We'll, we'll wind up remembering. I'll wind up remembering. Yeah, that. it'll all happen. Out of it. Oh, yeah. God, yes. Yeah, you once know, we finish recording, like, of course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. The last time we recorded uh, Doctor Who Podshock, Ken had said, "You know, as soon as we finish recording, there's going to be uh, there'll be an announcement uh, with the we'll see the Doctor in his new outfit." And sure enough, days later, oh yeah, bingo. that's just the way it works. <laughs> <laughs> like, Episode one will leak by the time the next uh, yeah. Hitchhikers comes out. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So let's wrap up. The Hitchhiker's Guide yeah, to British Sci-Fi. I got a bow sci-fi. on it. Let's wrap it up and put a bow on it. And You got it. <laughs> Give it away. All right. Well, there you go. I suppose we will see everybody hopefully a little bit sooner. Yeah, yes. this time we've got a little delayed. We apologize for that. And um, But hopefully we'll be on a more regular schedule. Next time. All right. Well, cheers, everyone. Have fun, guys. See you cheers. soon. Thank you for listening to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Send feedback to feedback at hitchhikersguidetobritishsci-fi.com. Remember, to support this podcast, please visit hitchhikersguidetobritishsci-fi.com or arttrap.com. This has been Louis Trapani. You can follow me via Twitter at twitter.com slash Trapani. You can follow James Norton on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Norton. And now you can follow, wait for it, you can follow Ken Deep. Yes, Ken Deep has joined the ranks of Twitterhood. You can follow him at twitter.com slash Ken Deep. Wow. Did hell just freeze over and I didn't realize it? Welcome aboard, Ken. Visit arttrap.com for more on this and other podcasts. This has been an Art Trap production. Talking about Coltham past, present, in future. It's on Talk You ID 54821. And we have a blog for that called The Coltham Chronicles at Coltham.com. 
But here's the big news. <laughs> big news from a little guy like me is it's now on iTunes. Yes, you can subscribe to the Colton Collective podcast using this tiny URL. It's tinyurl.com forward slash NVG. KXB, all small case. And episode one, the first live show, goes out on Talk Show on Sunday, the 2nd of August, 2009, at 3.30 Eastern Daylight Time. That's Talk Show ID 54821. <laughs> I'm going to be leaving my forest to come to that. Bye.